Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another edition of the Dog or Pass podcast. This for UFC Fight Night, Mexico City. I am Joe. I am Paul Shaughnessy, joined in studio by the Tristan Connolly Whisperer, Cody Saftik. Nah, whatever. You got you got to get one every now and again. But Connolly coming through. Very happy to see that. And we had hot takes on that card. We had hot takes on the Abu Dhabi card. And I'm not sure we have hot takes here. So that's why I'm happy to see you, Paul, because you got to help me out here a little bit. Yeah, lessons to be learned here. This is the card that all I've been telling myself all week. We did really good on Abu Dhabi. We did amazing last week. Like, absolutely crushed it. This is like the week where it's just like... This is the bankroll management week where you're just like, you don't actually feel that great about a bunch of these spots. Don't give back. So don't give back what you have got now. You know, when we see weigh-ins, when you get a little bit more information later in the week, maybe I'll feel a little bit more strong about some of these takes. But yeah, it's just always something to know yourself, know what you have a good read on and what you don't. Last week, we thought we had a lot of really good reads and we and and it worked out. Um, This one. I'm gonna tread. Yeah. I'm gonna tread pretty carefully, to be perfectly honest. Before we get to that, though, we have a winner to announce from last week. We have Monroe DeKitty. Congratulations, you are the winner of twenty DK dollars. If you want to get into a draw to win uh, DK dollars, like Monroe DeKitty, um, what you gotta do is give the episode a like, um, leave your DK handle, and. What uh, people have been mentioning that potentially this is the worst card they've ever seen. Now, maybe it is, maybe it is, and you got to actually see the fights before you can make that judgment. But it's a full card, potentially not the most interesting of fights. Main event, sorry. What is the least interesting fight on this entire card? And it could literally be everything. You could potentially say the co-main event and not have a wrong answer, and that's mostly because there are no wrong answers in the DK contest giveaway, thanks to our giveaway department who seemingly just draws a name out of a hat yeah but i'm interested to see people's answers on this i think it would, oh yeah for sure it'd probably end up having know. to be that uh smoka holahan card because they lost like the main event last second like that was that was pretty dire times and that was a different era where they weren't having like 40 cards a year but there's a difference between bad there's no name quality on the card and bad like the fights just didn't live up yeah to they ended up being fun because it was in ireland and ireland was a madhouse for mma at the time but yeah, yeah, pretty crazy how times change. So yeah, ep- give the episode a like, leave your DK handle, and which fight on this card are you least interested in? I can tell you one thing. It is not the main event, which has Yair Rodriguez taking on Jeremy Lil Heathen Stevens. 
Yair Rodriguez is 8,200. It's uh, pick them between the, the two of them. They're both minus 110. Jeremy Stevens is 8,000. Pick them fight here. Yair has the advantage, obviously, being in his home country. It's probably acclimatized a little bit better to the 10,000 feet of altitude. You got to factor those types of things. Don't bet on people who have historic bad gas tanks. We have a lot of women's fights and a lot of smaller fighters on this card. It's not something we're going to cross too many times until we get to Vinci's Marrera versus uh, Paul Craig. But uh, like, I think that's his advantage is probably cardio pace. But like, little little heathen is 100% in this fight. I'm torn on it right now myself. Um, I would probably lean to Jeremy Stevens as a DraftKings play. He's two hundred dollars cheaper, and we've seen like just ask Josh Emmett. Thank God he came back because like there was questions about that. Like when this guy finishes, guys, it's vicious. He gets you down. He lands some of those uh, those patented ground and pound elbows, and it's it's night night. So like Man, he's he would the be a cheesy hitting featherweight yeah. in the division. He doesn't TKO. Who the guys. fuck is that guy? Who do you got in this fight though? Well, here's the problem. It's a fun fight, and I like the fight, but I can't get a great lean on it either way because I just don't know which version's going to show up. Yeah, you mentioned the fact that Jeremy Stevens is fun and exciting, and he's got that big power. He can crush guys, but he's also like the losingest fighter in UFC history. Not only does he have the most UFC losses, but as far as active fighters on the roster, I think most losses is Clay Guida, who I think has 19 losses. Uh, Andre Arlovsky has 18 losses. And then you have our good friend Jeremy Stevens here with 16 losses. Like, as fun and exciting as he is, you know, he's a 50-50 fighter. So it's very hard to say I'm going to bank either a hot lean on Jeremy Stevens. I just, I just don't know. When he does win fights, they're obviously pretty exciting for the most part. He hits guys, he crushes them. But sometimes you just don't see enough out of him. Sometimes mm-hmm. he waits a little bit. And that's my problem. Like, say you can look at the Moicano fight where he's just swinging at air. He's not getting there. You can look at other fights where he's just not quite getting there. He's not quite engaging his opponent. And that's what the problem is going to be here with Yair Rodriguez. Is. Yair Rodriguez is going to be faster than him. He's rangier than him. And if he stays to the outside then he should be fine. But all that being said, I mean, Yair Rodriguez is super hittable. Like, his striking defense is not particularly good. He can get dragged into deep waters. And if Jeremy Stevens does what Jeremy Stevens does best, then he can give him hell. Now, as much as I thought thought that Jeremy Stevens is on the back nine, you know what I mean? Like, what does he have to offer? He has got that killer power. But again, we saw him struggle against a faster athletic ranger fighter in Moicano. He's going to get smoked by Zabit. But he fights Zabit to the perfect game plan. He pressures. He loses. But he pressures him. He gives him a good go. And if that fight's five rounds, pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. But he only gets three. Now he's getting five rounds. And if he pressures, Zabit is, in my opinion, far better than Yair Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. If he pressures him the same way, it makes this a dirty fight. Like I, And another point you brought up, you said that Yair would be more acclimatized to it. It's 10,000 feet up. Can Jeremy Stevens push a pace for, for 25 minutes? I don't like, know, I don't where, know. where Yair is from originally yeah. in Mexico. And the guy spent a lot of time stateside. Whereas flip side to that, Jeremy Stevens went to Mexico City like two months ago. He rented a house out there. He got ready. He's okay. going to be in then good never shape. Mind, then. And he's bringing it. Now, as I say this... I like a, Stevens even more now. The odds makers has it as a 50-50 to begin with. So I'm leaning Stevens. But honestly, like I have no clue. And as far as DraftKings, yeah, the $200 extra for Jeremy Stevens... Here's where I'll say I don't agree with that necessarily. Is if if he'll Yair's, be more owned for sure. He's going to be more owned because he's two hundred dollars cheaper. Yeah. And if Jerem, when he traditionally wins, he knocks guys out. Right? I don't see him knocking out Yair Rodriguez. I see him this going twenty five. I don't see Jeremy Stevens winning twenty five minute long decisions. Uh, actually, the kind sorry of guy, to sorry to cut you off, go ahead. but 
when he hits guys, they don't fucking move. <laughs> he doesn't actually just knock them out. Yeah, fair enough. But outside, <laughs> when has Yair been completely dominated? Okay, Frankie. But Frankie took him down and employed a completely different style of game plan that Jeremy Stevens is capable of doing. So Jeremy Stevens is going to have to outpoint this guy standing for 25 minutes. And if it's something we know with Yair Rodriguez, he's always dangerous. He always brings it. He's got decent enough cardio that he went 25 hectic minutes with Korean Zombie. He should be able to keep up a decent enough pace here against Jeremy Stevens. And when you look at his, stike, his striking numbers here, Paul... Uh, let me just bring it up really quick. In five-round fights especially, anyways, the Chang Sung Jung fight, 119 strikes landed. Mm-hmm. The Bruce Leroy fight, 120 strikes landed. He, he He's more of an output guy, whereas yeah. when you look at Steven's numbers, he's 30, 40, 50 strikes landed because at some point he'll just hit you and you fall, yeah. fall over. But if this goes 25, it's going Yair Rodriguez. So to be honest, I'm thinking pass. If I was going to bet money line and it's 50-50, I guess I would lean with Jeremy Stevens. But as far as DK, I want the big points. I think I would fade the field a little bit and go with Yair Rodriguez. So, so the ultimate thing is, is I'm all over the place. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I really, I really am not going to invest heavy into this fight. I'm just going to enjoy yeah. it because it should be. Fun. It should be very fun. Yeah. It should yeah. be for for all the misgiving, like for the fact that we don't have a great take on it. To be perfectly honest, but it makes sense, right? It's like sometimes fights are just matched up well. Like like we can one, see past a victory for all it's, guys. It's one ten, one ten. So you know what the bookie's saying? I'm just not going to sweat this one either, boys. I'm just going to sit back and enjoy it and make yeah. a little. So. They're saying the same thing. They don't got a hot lean on it. I don't got a hot lean on it. If you've got a hot lean on it, let me know. But at the same time, like, you could be wrong as much as you're right. We don't fully know what we're going to get on Saturday. So, Guys are terrible at taking care of their health. Whether it's a knee injury, a bad back, or something worse, guys are usually more comfortable with rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. I'm guilty of it myself. The same is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to chat with a doctor online. With Roman, you can get medical care for ED, if appropriate, from the comfort and privacy of your own home. You can handle everything online in a convenient, discreet manner. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com PME and complete an online visit. If your doctor decides that treatment would be appropriate, they can prescribe genuine medication that can be delivered in discreet packaging right to your door with free two-day shipping. Guys, go talk to your doctor. Erectile dysfunction can be tough to tackle, but it's really important to get checked out. With Roman, it's easy to connect with the doctor. Just go to GetRoman.com slash PME to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash PME for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash PME. We got Alexa Grasso taking on uh, Carla, your girl. Ooh, my girl, Carla Esparza. Uh, Grasso, 8,400 minus 120 favorite. Carla Esparza, 7,800 plus 110 is this a styles make fight situation because that's what kind of jumps off the page to me but you're i don't want to steal your gimmick the styles make fights but i feel like you're gonna say styles make fights here yeah well that's what it's shaping up to be certainly i mean my girl carla sparza for all the differences that her and i have had in the past she's been good to me in terms of knowing you, when to and when not to better yeah if she's got a grappling advantage she wins if yep. she doesn't have a grappling advantage she loses it's pretty much as easy as that you look at her win she beat marina morose she beat cynthia gavio she beat verna jandaroba she had she had grappling advantages over them she lost to tatiana suarez and you know what the claudia fight thank god they gave it to claudia by split but it's like holy shit man if her grappling doesn't work out she's worked a lot on her hands and they're not good but she's a pressure fighter yep. and i like that out of her I think she's got all the tools in the world to beat Alexa Grosso. The one thing that I will say here is, like, it's in Mexico. 
Grasso is in the co-main event for a reason. She's pretty. People love her. She's got a decent style that she if she can if she can put if she can pull off a Joanna Jacek striker far better striker. If her takedown defense has improved significantly, she looked the best she has ever looked in her last time out. And she's twenty six years old, Paul. But she didn't have to face a collegiate wrestler. Fair, fair. A collegiate and like, wrestler. I'm not worried about either one of these girls gassing. I think Alexa Grasso has will have maybe the cardio advantage being from there and everything like that. But I'm not worried about Carlos Sparza gassing in three rounds. I'm not either. If even she though- can get the takedowns and lay on top, like she doesn't do very much from the top. No, but one issue that she has and she always will have is that she doesn't wear damage well. You jab her a couple times in the face and she swells a lot. It's mm-hmm. not like her eyes are swelling shut. It's that like, it's like she GSP. bruises. Yeah, j- just like GSP, <laughs> right? She bruises on the forehead. She bruises around. It looks like she's taking damage. So my worry here is that when the fight's standing, she's going to have a significant striking disadvantage. She'll try to pressure in. She's going to get counterpunched. By the way, Alexa Grasso is a good counterpuncher. She's a good boxer. That's her best fundamental skill. She's just going to stay on the outside, let Carla rush in, counterpunch her, try not to tie up. Carla probably, I will some point, succeed in getting the fight to the ground, but it's what will the judges be scoring in that time? Will they be scoring two minutes of, you know, significant striking standing, or will they be going with the three minutes? I I don't know. Mm -hmm. So whereas we always joke around about, like, hometown cooking, literally every fucking card we've ever broken down, Paul, outside of the U.S., unless it's a hometown thing, we always talk about home cooking. And last week in BC, it didn't matter. Um, yeah, there was just finishes all over. It was just finishes all over. Here, I truthfully do believe it matters, not because they're looking to rob the foreign fighter, but because the commission is used to watching a, a style. Boxing is so great in their tradition that when they watch someone win the boxing exchanges mm-hmm. for two minutes yeah. and lie on their back for three minutes, they still might give it to the boxer, right? Yeah. And especially, she's Mexican, especially they're going to be cheering her, especially... I, like, she's got a lot of things going her way. So mm-hmm. I, I think Carlos Sparza, plus 100, it's not even dog money. At least give me some dog money. I think that's the play. However, I'm sweating it. And that's why it's another fight. Don't really have the biggest interest. And on D- the DK side of things, like, not happening. Carla might grind her. I mean, Carla's the play on DK. If you think, I think, I think you pass. If Grasso is a better athlete and she's able to get up a bunch of times, 7,800 Carla Sparza. Like you know what her game plan is. Her game plan is to move forward, and she hasn't. She doesn't sway away from that. Like she will just go in there and try to bla- go blast doubles. Now, if it doesn't work, her, her floor will be like ten points. But if it does work, like you can get you can get eighty points out of her if she's able to like get a couple takedowns per round. Grass is able to get back up a little bit of striking mixed in. Like I could see it playing out okay. I would. I prefer her to Grasso. Grasso, I just think is a bad play it could be. Uh, like she has to get the knockout she has to put on a Joanna Jacek versus Carlos Esparza type of fight right but when your Jacek fought Esparza right and Jacek was just known as a young striker who yep. nobody really knew much about but she's on her way up and Carla is the collegiate wrestler that's going to get the fight to the ground when it doesn't happen she gets pieced up now Carla's actually improved significantly since then but I'm not saying Grosso reminds me of Jacek because she doesn't it's just important to note that here's a young fighter very young at the time when she loses to Felice fucking Herrig, like, oh, man. But then after that fight, she gets outgrappled, but beats Ronda Marcos. The improvements are there. She's mm-hmm. making the improvements. For sure. And then they give her Tatiana Suarez. Like, the, the improvements? No, no, no. A lifetime improvements are not going to get you ready for what she's bringing. It's not going to matter. And then she fights Carolina, a perennial contender. Makes her look bad, like you said. The best fight that she's looked in. So now you get the impression, 26. She trains from here. She is getting better. 
We're going to get an improved version of her. I think that she could have enough to beat Carla. And Carla has the better style. Styles make fights. Carla has a better style to win this fight. Fucking pass, man. Straight up. First two fights on the card. I, uh, I did, I'm not feeling overly confident about them. For those who don't get to the end of the episode, Cody, we always force Cody to make Pogi Rob's parlay. Make, I will make picks, yeah. So sure. uh, he will have a pick, but yeah, it's uh, it's a dicey start to this card. As we said at the beginning, don't lose all of your profits from the previous two weeks. Uh, just, you know, pick your spots on this card, in my opinion, at least. Uh, moving on down the card, we have Asker Askarov taking on Brandon Moreno. Uh, Askarov is 8,800 minus 165 favorite. Brandon Moreno, 7,400 and plus 145 who you got here. Yeah, I got to go with Asker Askarov. Uh, he's the ACB champ. And I mean, the guy is just like a submission machine. And I don't mean just like conventional submissions. I mean, by any means necessary. Uh, he hit the radar probably, yeah, 2015 Kirill Medovsky. Chokes him out, no problem. Beyond that, Jose Maria Tome is UFC veteran and a Conan choke fifth round, right? Cardio for days. Next fight, Anthony Leone. People probably don't remember Anthony Leone. He was a Bellator veteran. Really solid, especially good grappler. He hits him with a twister, third round. Doesn't slow down. He's a flyweight. I mean, they don't typically slow down. But even though he's fighting the Mexican fighter and Brendan Moreno, who now trains in Colorado at elevation, like I don't, I don't think it's a three-round fight is going to be an issue for him because he's used to going deep into fives and still looking effective enough. Mm-hmm. And then his uh, last fight again. I mean, he's just... Submissions right across the board. I'd be a little bit worried. It's like he's not going to get that early submission. But truthfully, it doesn't matter because he's getting the later submission. So he's able to carry. The problem I have with Brandon Moreno is that like he almost like shocked everybody with that fight on the Ultimate Fighter with Pantoja and then getting into the UFC uh, fights with Sergio Pettis, Anto Patoja again, Mikael Perez. Like he's fun, he's exciting, but the improvements are just not there. What? What remember when he caught Lewis Smolka with the guillotine and it was just like, oh man, this kid's twenty-two years old and he's gonna he's gonna be good. And they maybe rushed him a little bit, but he's just not that level. And this is gonna be the problem. I don't see him having the wrestling ability to be able to take Askarov down. I don't see him being able to grapple with Askarov. Maybe he's able to strike for a little bit, and maybe we're talking about that hometown rub, but like I feel like you can't give a guy a hometown rub when he's clearly losing the fight. So I'm going to go with Askarov. It's minus 165. I'm not super confident. It is his UFC debut. He is now fighting 10,000 feet. I mean, he's only ever fought in Russia. So now you're moving the guy all the way to Mexico City. It's going to be a adrenaline dump. They had a card in Russia. Or they had... No, it was the Abu Dhabi card. Never mind. Still, why didn't you put him on that? There was a ton of Russians on that card. Like, you you could have theoretically worked this guy in at some point, but you sent him all the way to Mexico to fight the local Mexican guy, who is... Not local. I mean, you know what I mean. He lives in America. He's pretty yeah, it's much just American. An interesting position. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very odd. Are they trying to prop up the local guy? Usually so. they are, but like sometimes they just like to, they like to showcase this for like the television, right? The television dynamic. I, I almost feel like, I almost feel like he's a, I don't want to say a busted prospect, but in some senses, I'm not seeing it out of there. Yeah. Like how, how, how big was it when he choked out Dustin Ortiz? Like who does that? But like I said, the win over Smolka, the win over Ortiz, like it seems like A, maybe a flash in the pan, and B, he's got to get it done with his grappling on like a quick submission. Catch a guy with a quick submission with his grappling. Because I don't see that happen with Askarov. I feel like Askarov gets the win. So yeah, Askarov would be the play. The 8,800, he's going to have to submit him. 
And I mean, kids actually decent enough crap where I don't see it happening. Yeah, Especially, I, don't, I don't have any problem paying up front, to be perfectly honest. I, like, not, this card has like no, so many. Up. You're I not going to play? No, I, would, I, would, I wouldn't. Personally? Really? Per, because like, he, because the, he gets submissions up late. Up above 9,000, like, these are not great options this week. I guess. This is not a great card. No, no it's really, I, it's hard to feel good it. about anybody, to be perfectly honest. Anyway, let's move on. We got uh, Reen Aldon, who's the biggest favorite on the card. She's minus 5,000 favorite. And, 500, uh, but yeah. Minus 5,000. Sorry, I said that. Uh, minus 500 that would be that would be something else uh minus 500 uh she's 94 on DraftKings. she's taking on something called uh vanessa mellow who's 6800 plus 400 um how bad is this mellow girl because i'm not in the business of laying five to one on eldana i know she's making improvements she trains with uh with grasso who's on this card as well uh from that mexican gym i forget where it's in guadalajara i forget the name of the gym Entron? No, it's oh, not that. Uh, yeah, yeah, it starts yeah, yeah. with a G or something, doesn't it? Either way, uh, they train together, so they'll be ready. Like, obviously, it's a setup spot for Aldana, but I don't know. Minus five hundred. Talk me on or off of this one, Cody. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, this is one that I don't have a, a super hot take. Uh, the 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 thing with this Vanessa Mello is Vanessa Mello just basically was a Brazilian regional fighter for a long time. Fought a couple of okay opponents. She's I mean, got they're a- both eleven and five, but like Aldana's fought named named fighters and like at this level for a bit right right so for example um vanessa mello has a 2015 win over molly mccann right but okay. i mean like molly mccann's not overly impressive no. and molly mccann was one and oh at the time this girl had eight pro fights yep. she then loses her next fight by split decision to a five three and one fighter and then takes two years off doesn't sound good she's that kind of brazilian regional fighter but she rallies off couple rattles off sorry couple decent wins and then she fought for that battlefield fc uh it's a korean promotion that was notoriously known for having a first show not paying 75 percent of the card and getting flamed online putting a second card together somehow still convincing people to fight on said show and then not paying them again poor will brooks uh it's just like an embarrassment altogether right but she fought jan finney on that second show she beats jan finney by decision I didn't see anything that I was overly impressed with. Like, she's better than Finney, obviously. But Finney's 11 and 13. Like, mm-hmm. it just... I, I'm not quite seeing it. Now, the problem with... Uh, the thing with Irene Aldana is Irene Aldana always was supposed to be better than she actually ended up being. You always wanted to see a little bit more out of her. And you always think, just like we're talking about her stablemate Alexa Grosso, like, oh, they're going to make the improvements. But it's like, Grosso is making improvements. Aldana isn't. Aldana's last fight with Bechiko Heia, it's like, that's a setup opponent here. Betchiko Hay is just going to run so in. slow. She's going to run into your has counter. Has T Rex arms, whereas Aldana's got like super long reach, super long for the division. Like, yeah, it should have been a, a tee up fight just to like for her to circle around the uh, around the yeah, the outside <laughs> and just piece her up. And in the first round, she does a decent job. She wins yeah, the first round. Yeah. Second job, mad pressured. She just the same chopping overhand right just lands at will right. And Betchiko Hay pressures her, wins the second round, and then she belly down arm bars Betch in the third round yeah. like crazy stuff. But, uh, well, I guess in women's MMA, arm bars tend to happen. But all the same, it's just like she's not making the necessary improvements. She's getting older. I'm not seeing out of it. right? But now we're going to send her home. We want to build her back up. We want to get her maybe a string of wins potentially. I don't know. Maybe she's a fan favorite over there. But they're giving her – Grosso, they're giving Grosso, a, a, a very tough fight, but B, a bad style clash. Whereas Melo, they're giving her, like, a very winnable fight, and it's a good style clash for her. The problem is it's just, like, I'm not sold on her. If she was 250, I'd be loading up. If she was 
That's about it. That's the highest I would pay. Just, ah, no, I'd pay maybe 300. But, but 500 is just ridiculous. The 9,400, if I'm not paying up for Askarov, and I'm not paying Grasso, and I'm not paying, I would pay Yair. He's only 8,200. But yeah, I guess if I had some money, it's like she's being set up here to beat this yeah. girl up. The thing is, is that Melo's never been finished. I mean, so what indication boy, do I have? Your boy Tristan Connolly was getting set up last week to, to lose in his home country, too. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? If you got a hot take on Melo, she's plus 400. Like, why not take a stab at it? But I don't, I don't have a take on her. And so it's just another one of these fights that that uh, your best bet is yeah, just so, to steer so, clear. Like, that's honestly, in my opinion, I, I, I am picking Irene Aldana. I think it's a bad price. That's, that's the call. Same here. Martin Bravo takes on Steve Ocho Peterson. Your boy. There's a lot of your boys on this one. Uh, 8,100 across the board. Minus 115 Bravo. Minus 105, Peterson, who you got? You know what's sad is that this is known as a very greasy card. We're openly laughing at it. The comment section will be filled of what's the fight like, you how, how do about. we make a lineup if you're passing on every fight? How do I have so <laughs> many boys on this card? <laughs> Damn. But yeah, I, I really like Steven Peterson. I mean, he's fun. And here, here's the thing. There's a difference between fun fighters and fighters that you want to lay actual real hard-earned money on. Yeah. That are gonna fight a good game plan and get you the win. And the thing with Steven Peterson is like he just his goes head, to war. His head does not move. He goes to war. He's got a good gas tank, which he's gonna need because he's going way up in the air here. But Martin Bravo, you know, I guess he should theoretically have the advantage from he's gonna have the hometown pop, he's gonna have all these things. When you look at Bravo, it's like I don't ever think he was supposed to be good, but he won the ultimate fighter at least, uh, beating Claudio Puelas, which in high insight is a joke, you know, like it's not, it's not a real tough crown, but he wins this tough crown and then he loses to Her- Humberto Bandanai who booted him in the head and he lost to Bruce Leroy by split decision and it's like Bruce Leroy always fights to his opponent's level. But his boxing doesn't look bad. He throws combination, he throws decent heat, he goes to the body, which I like, and he seems to be able to carry uh, maybe a little bit later into rounds, which he'll probably need in this situation. With Peterson, Peterson's way better on the ground, I think. But Peterson's going to be a little bit smaller than him. He's going to be a little bit weaker than him. And I don't know that I can have any faith in his ability to just take the fight to the ground. Especially because his brain is going to be like, fuck it, let's just, let's just stand and bang. We're in Mexico, they're cheering, Let, let's do it. And if he's going to play that game, he's going to get hit. Because Bravo's probably a better boxer. I, I mean, mean they're, they're on a similar at 10, level. At 10,000 feet... But at 10,000 feet... Like, Steve Peterson's not making bank. So, like, I can't imagine that he's been over there for multiple weeks and stuff. You know what? Uh, I could be wrong, but, like, yeah, these, the, the, was... the, the, the fighters lower on the on the pay grade, like, it's hard. That's You know, you see, like, when, uh, when C-Level versus... Uh, C-Level... C-Level came. C-Level came versus what was the other one? Uh, you know, or basically when he fought in Mexico City against Fabricio Verdum. Verdum was over there for three months, and Steve, or, uh, and uh, Kane went over there for what? A week. S- uh, like six, six days, days or something yeah, like yeah. that. And, it's and just like you had never seen Steve Kane. Peterson showing up on the Monday because <laughs> that's when the UFC starts paying for his hotel. Like, I don't think this guy's doing a camp over there. Like, cut, he cut. fights at a really high pace. Is he going to be ready in round three um, to continue to go? Yeah, Kyle Nelson did his camp at the UFC Performance Institute, right? Mm-hmm. They flew him out yesterday, Tuesday, okay, for the fight. Right? Do yeah. you think Steve Peterson's being flown in no. earlier? Like, no, it's not. Exactly. You're going out there, you're staying at the fighter hotel, you're getting it done. Uh, will that affect his cardio? That remains to be seen. If it just becomes a sloppy boxing match, I think Bravo's got the tools to keep it close. And if it's close and he's getting the pop, 
they're going to give it to Martin Bravo. Mm-hmm. Problem again here is, is that it's priced accordingly. It's yeah, minus it's 115, 105. It's a pick em fight. But do I think that uh, Pearson gets finished? No. Do I think Pearson could get a finish? Yes. I think Pearson could knock out Bravo, mm-hmm. and he could submit Bravo as well. Right, so I would lean on that as a DK play, especially because I've been passing on other ones. I see good enough, like good enough upside to Steven Peterson that if I need a guy at eighty one hundred dollars, he's got the ability to finish this fight. Mm-hmm. He is priced. And you know that he fights at a yeah, high pace, yeah. like he's. But do, but am I confident he's going to win? It's a 50-50 fight. Yeah. But if he does win, he's going to get me my points, and that I am confident. In. Cool. We got uh, Jose Canones taking on Carlos Joaquin. Canones eighty seven hundred minus one forty five favorite Wachin seventy five hundred plus one twenty five. Tell us about this one. Well, yeah, well, it's another crap fight, but ultimately Carlos Wachin is a one dimensional power puncher, right? He shouldn't probably shouldn't be in the UFC to begin with, but they needed a guy. They were in his own backyard. It makes sense, right? They went to that Peru card, mm-hmm. and we need a guy. Sorry, they didn't go to Peru. They they bring him in. And he fights Rowney Barcellos, which is just like... Yeah, they're uh, setting you up to lose. Setting him up to lose. So I tape study him for that fight. And the problem is he just he fights such a low level of opposition. It's really hard to gauge where he's at. And because he's fighting in Peru, when things don't go his way, they'll give him the rub. Like, they'll give him a draw. They'll, they'll do whatever they need to do to help this guy out. And he doesn't lose. That they're trying to build up his record to get him to the UFC. Mission accomplished. They build up his record. He gets to the UFC. He didn't look awful in the Barcelos fight, considering Barcelos really is my yeah. boy. And he he came out to bang. That's what he does. That's what he's capable of doing. And that alone makes him a little bit dangerous against most people. He's not from Mexico. He's from Peru. I don't know if that'll have anything to do with the crowd. I, I don't know. It doesn't matter, right? Whereas Quinones is Mexican. Probably should be him. But the difference here, Paul, is that Quinones is a lot more versatile. Mm-hmm. And he's got a lot more UFC experience. Yeah, we've seen his grappling really improve over the years. You're looking at a guy in... Uh, in Huachin, who is one, he's Owen, he's Owen one in the UFC. Sorry, right? He's still a young enough guy, and he really hasn't he hasn't been able to like experience a whole lot. Where he's looking at Alberto Quinones, I heard somebody make the argument. They said his wins in the UFC are virtually over nobody. So you might be overvaluing him a little bit by thinking, hey, this guy's going to go out there and get the win. But Jimmy Morales, Joey Gomez, uh, and Teruto Ishihara, I would argue all of those guys beat this upcoming opponent. So I feel like he's almost getting a step down in competition, losing to Nathaniel Wood, a young up-and-coming prospect. Oh, that's all, that's all. I don't want to say good for you, but like you're fighting at a, a level way higher. Way, than way higher, yeah. I feel like he pushes a decent enough pace. I feel like he's got a good kick game. He's a little bit more rangy. He's just going to have to get out of that first round and then take it into his domain. So I got Quinones, the $8,700. Again, if I'm looking for somebody who's in that upper price range, I don't think that he's the worst player in the world. I don't think this kid's got a great chin that he's up against. So maybe he can exploit that. And if he doesn't exploit that, push the pace, take him to deep waters, score me some points, minus 145, decent enough. Um, that, that, that would be the play. Again, this, it sounds like this is one of my more confident plays on the card. And you're still not feeling And that's just because the other fights I'm not yeah, feeling great about. But it, I mean, like, is it my play of the week? I guess we'll get to that at the end of the show. We have Kyle Nelson taking on uh, Marco Polo Reyes. Kyle Nelson, 8,600 minus 115. Polo Reyes, 7,600 minus 105. Kyle Nelson, as you just said, coming from um, the, the, the Performance Institute for this fight camp, flying into Mexico City. He didn't have a great gas tank in, in previous fights. To be perfectly honest, he seems to come out pretty hot, and then he kind of tails off. I don't like his chances against many people in the UFC. I know UFC level doesn't mean the same that it used to, but I don't like his chances, especially at 10,000 feet against a Mexican guy. But, like, Polo Reyes, you know, when you go through that record, the guys that he's beaten are... 
are basically all except for like Dong Hyung Ma are basically all not in the organization anymore. Like Dong Hyung Ma, is he still in the organization? Because if so, he's just he's just holding on. Yeah, he's holding on by a thread. Anyway, I I would lean towards Polo Reyes here, um, just based on being being from there, and I think. Uh, perceived at least gas tank. Like if he can fight like he did against Dung Young Ma at that type of pace, I'm confident that he can last three rounds at altitude in his home country. Yeah, you would think so, but that fight probably also ruined him. And that's, yeah. the, pro- that's the problem here is that Kyle Lawson's a fast starter and this guy's getting prone now to getting knocked out very early into his fights. So it, it is almost a little bit worrisome that if Nelson's going to win this fight, he's going he's gonna to take him out quick. Flip side of that, if Polo Reyes is going to win this fight, he's got to he's got to survive that early onslaught, get him tired. I think he nailed it pretty much here. Kyle Nelson hasn't shown great gas tank in the UFC, mostly because you know he's front, he's you know fanatic when he gets in there. He's frantic a little bit. He goes at it, maybe blows his little bit early. You, the pressure gets to him, the moment gets to him. Who knows? The Matt Sales fight, I thought he put up a decent go that second round. Man, mm-hmm. like had me in all sorts of worries fishing for the rear naked choke then you get thinking okay this guy's ground game's not that bad like when he's on top he's big thick strong kid he can hold you down ground and pounds okay third round unfortunately he doesn't get the fight back to the ground matt sales just picks him apart standing matt sales is a much better striker his first fight against carlos diego ferreira he's up a weight class carlos diego ferreira is a far better striker and grappler he's giving up advantages but in this fight what advantage is he giving up he's a better wrestler he's a better grappler and whereas I'd say he's not the better striker, he's got a much better chin than Polo Reyes. So maybe yeah. he can capitalize there. If you see pictures of him from his last fight camp to this fight camp... He looks a lot better this holy time. Holy fuck, he looks a lot better. Okay. But the 10,000 feet worries me extremely because it doesn't matter what kind yeah, of Yeah, you put on you a look. bunch of muscle. Yeah, it, it doesn't right. mean that it changes your cardio. Well, who gives a shit if your abs are more pronounced? Who yeah. gives a shit if you've got, you know, you more that, vascular? Uh, I don't, I don't the really... Performance Institute, they're probably working on... He's, on his overall performance. Yeah, yeah. And listen, he's 0-2 in the UFC. This is do or die for him. So he says, you know what? I'm going to move out of Huntsville, Ontario mm-hmm. and, and stop training in Hamilton for the time being, even though his camp in Hamilton is a very good gym. It's like, I got to go to Vegas and I got to take this seriously. He looks the part. I'd say that he probably wins this fight. The 10,000 feet for a guy that has cardio issues, that that is worrisome. But then going back to Polo Reyes, right? James Vick's much better fighter. Sparks him in the first round, right? Demir Hadzevic. It's not that Demir Hadzevic sparks him in the second round. It's that Demir Hadzevic outgrapples him, Paul. Mm -hmm. Demir Hadzevic can't grapple for shit. So the fact that he's outgrappling you, Kyle Nelson, if he chooses to, is going to get him down and take him Grappling is going to make you that much more tired when you're at 10,000 feet, though. There's the factoring into that. Yeah, this is it's a a pass fight. But But here's the one thing that makes this fight not a pass fight. It's even on the money line. And Polo Reyes is $1,000 cheaper than Kyle Reyes. Exactly. So you would think he's going to have high ownership. Yeah. And if you go with Kyle Nelson and Kyle Nelson does win this fight, he's going to have to win it early. He yeah. could win it early. Yeah. And he's not going to be I on the, he's not gonna be in the higher. That. So if you've got some money, you're playing some lineups, he, he's, he's not the worst look. Interesting. All right. We got Angela Hill taking on Ariane Carnalosi. Angela Hill, 8,500 minus 150 favorite. Carnalosi is 7,700 plus 130. This girl, Anna Carnalosi, looks like she takes her strength and conditioning very, very, very seriously. No, I think... Like, I don't know I if you think, catch my drift. I think she takes her wig game very seriously because I think this is Husamar motherfucker Bahar <laughs> is trying to get back in the UFC. You see her. She is... 
Jack. Jack City. Yeah, but Angela Hill is a far better fighter. The problem is, is that this one could get greasy because it's a greasy stylistical clash, and this other girl's clearly going to be ready. Also, that Sarah Froda just got popped today, and it's like, when she fought, you got an impression that she was in Liz Ash. She wasn't a great fighter. No. But it's she's like, still lost. She's, she's still lost, so maybe it didn't make a difference, but it, that it made her far better than she oh, was. She, she been was been raw. Way worse. She yeah. was raw, but she was so strong. This girl's got a lot more experience. It is also raw. She didn't she, look that bad on tape. Like no, I watched a little bit of tape on there. She looked like a, a classic Brazilian pressure fighter. Yeah, which and is, like that's Angela gonna Hill be a, does not want to fight. That's a clash of styles with Angel, Angela Hill. She's gonna try to stay on the outside, and it's gonna be can Angela Hill stinger enough? And no, I, I don't think so. Like I wanna, stinger. I'm gonna wait until the week the week carries on here, and like you know, check out the weigh-ins, make sure that like what I saw on tape from that girl from her last fight is the same girl who shows up to this fight before I make any action. But I'm I'm leaning towards uh, Faden Hill here. And taking uh, the the newcomer. Yeah, yeah. The plus 130 is the appealing thing here is that we've seen Hill struggle with pressure fights. Hill is a far superior striker. And what we mean by that is that she's got better kicks. She's got better punches. She's got ranger strikes. She's got good punch output. But she's a Muay Thai stylist. The problem with being a Muay Thai stylist is that when you watch Muay Thai, both guys are agreeing to stand in front of each other at range almost and bomb on each other. That's when she would fight the best. When you pressure her and you back her up and you put her up against the cage and you muscle her around and you work dirty boxing, that's when you, you know, potentially have the advantage. I, I, I see this as, as, a, as a dog or a pass. Plus 130 is that good enough a price tag to take that shot on the dog? Play it out fight week. Let's see. And also, I see a little bit of love for Hill coming in. So Hill should probably take on a little additional money. Yeah, she's a recognizable name on a card of a lot of unrecognizable names Yeah, you also, to some people. You, you also can't overlook the fact. I hear people talking about this all the time, right? It's that Angela Hill is 9-7, and seven, and her opponent's 12-1. and one. So fight-wise, you know, they got relatively it's a debuting fighter what you got to realize about angela hill right she's got one two three four five six seven eight she's got eight ufc fights to her credit sorry nine ufc fights to her credit right those ufc fights include fighting the former champion rose nama yunus yep. right she also fought the former champion jessica andrage she also fought the current champion zio yan yan how you pronounce that my bad uh she also fought perennial top contender nina ansarov like She's got 11, I think it's 11 fights in the UFC. She's fought two former champions and the current champion. She's got a lot of experience. And she's fighting a debuting fighter. And you can have her for minus 150. Mm -hmm. It seems almost too good. The, the 8,600, like, no, and that's never going to happen. That's but, 80, yeah, it's 85. That's a typo on your Oh, page. yeah, okay, sorry. The, the 8,500, I wouldn't be particularly interested in that. But the, the minus 150, it feels like, damn, dude, I can have someone who's fought all the best against someone who won a split decision over a can opponent literally 12 months ago. Yeah. So which one are you going to go with? But because Usad is likely going to catch her six months from now, <laughs> it's not going to do my bankroll no yeah. fucking difference. You think a no contest up. gets little Cody his money back? It doesn't, Paul. No. And for that Give reason, me all the juicers. I'll bet juicers all day long. <laughs> for that reason. Give me them. I know this is getting probably very frustrating to listen to, but like it's probably a fucking pass. Like I, you know, like it's not not a good yeah, fight. Yeah, I'm going to I I want to see how the this girl looks. I, I'm not I'm not jumping in yet just from what I, I want to see her on fight week and Sometimes you just get a good feeling. It's like, uh, what, Akhmedov versus Zach Cummings a couple weeks ago. I was pretty torn on that fight. And then when I saw him at the weigh-ins, I'm like, oh, 
Akhmedov's going to kill him. Like, he's a considerably better athlete. Yeah, but what if she shows up on the scale, looks awesome, and then right before she goes out, director comes up to her and says, yo, we're looking to cast somebody in the lead for She-Hulk. We're interviewing a couple different actresses, whatever, but you fit the part. Yeah. Throw this fight, get out of your contract, and we're going to cast you in a fucking big film. Then you don't, you don't know those temptations, Paul. No one's ever approached you and asked you to be a star in a big film. But the temptations are there. And so it's a risk, you know, it's a risk I'm willing to take. <laughs> it's a risk I'm willing to take. Anyways, the bottom line here is that I don't love this one. Yeah, me neither. We got uh all right. First things first. Sergio Pettis. He needs a new agent, man. How the hell? Sergio Pettis takes on Tyson Nam. Short nose replacement, but yeah. Short nose replacement. Who's he supposed to fight in this spot? <clears throat> Let me just bring it up here. It's a good fight. Uh Alex Perez. Either way, though, man, you're Sergio Pettis. Like, you were, like, the golden boy. It was a oh, lot the of... Alex Perez was a bad style for him. And a no-name fighter. Like, the casual doesn't know Alex Perez. He's tough. No, but I'm saying just him being this far down a, this type of card. Wow. Like, He's one in three his last four. It's like. a lot of disrespect, man. Think guys, so? for just having the Pettis name. I don't know. You, you need a new agent there, bud. Like, they're just burying you down here. Anyways, nine, I shouldn't be kicking dirt at this guy. He's one in three in, or one in three in his last four fights. Uh, we got uh, Sergio Pettis, 9,300 minus 345 favorite. Tyson Nam, 6,900 and plus 285. Any hot takes here? Yeah, well, the big story here is that Tyson Nam is making his UFC debut. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Long time coming. 35 years old for the, those of you and most of you who don't know who Tyson Nam is. Uh, Tyson Nam was 11 and four when he took on Eduardo Dantas. Dantas at the time is 2012. Dantas is the Bellator champ. Nobody in Bellator is at his level. He's smoking through them. Bellator can't even find anybody for this guy to fight. Shudo Brazil says, hey, we've, why don't you come back here? We'll give you a fight. It's a stay busy. It's the biggest stay busy. He's got to get Bellator, Bjorn Rebney, to sign a release saying he can go to Brazil and take this fight. And Bjorn looks at the opponent, Tyson Nam, says, yeah, absolutely, lets him go. Tyson Nam, Hawaiian fighter, super misleading because he like lives and trains out of Portland, Oregon, long-time guy. He's Ricky Simon, one of Ricky Simon's top training partners. Um, doesn't grapple, though. That's like, again, his whole thing is very misleading. But he goes out there and knocks out Eduardo Dantes. That puts him on the map. Right after he won that, every promotion offers him a contract. He's a free agent at the time. Mm-hmm. Bellator offers him a contract because they want to do a rematch for the title in Bellator. UFC offers him a, a, a contract. He turns them down. Not enough money. He takes a World Series of Fighting contract, immediate title shot against Marlon Marais, and gets sparked in the first round against Marlon Marais with a head kick. It's like, hey, at least he took a shot. It is what it is. Then he loses a fight to Cody Bollinger, his next outing. I, mean, I thought he won. But still, he lost to Cody Bollinger. Then World Series of Fighting cuts him. He goes to California, loses to Jeremiah Lebiano, and then he goes to Brazil and loses to Fernando Vieira. He goes from the biggest win of his career to a four-fight losing streak. So it almost feels like, you know, flash in the pan. He builds up a bit. He beats some journeyman. And then, dude, last year he lands in Russia. And for whatever reason, the guy likes Russian air. He's not on any juice. I'm not making that joke. But I just mean, like, he fights extremely well in Russia. Mm-hmm. But, again, it's almost misleading. The Ali Bogatina fight, he's losing. It's a five-round title fight, so he's got time to work. But he loses the first round. He waits too long for looking for the big strike. He loses the second round. He waits too long looking for the big strike. In the third round, he's probably losing. And there's one second left right before the buzzer. He knocks Bogatinov off with a head kick. So it's just like, damn, you know, landed that big strike. Wins his next fight, loses one, whatever, whatever. The problem in this ish, in this fight is that he, whereas to beat Sergio Pettis, you'd love to outgrapple him. You got to use your wrestling a little bit. This guy, longtime Portland, Oregon guy, 
doesn't grapple almost whatsoever. He's got a draw with Yoni Sherbatov. There's another one. Sherbatov wins the first round. Sherbatov wins the second round, loses a point because of an accidental low blow to the groin. And then uh, kid Tyson Nam wins the third round, and it's a draw. So he's got a draw with Sherbatov. But it's like there's a fight that you probably should have lost again. You lost two of the three rounds. That point deduction helped you out. So he's not super spectacular, but he's at least fought good competition. He's super tough. He's durable enough. I, I'm glad that he's getting his UFC debut, and I'm glad that for the first time in his career, uh, he'll be on this big of a platform because he deserves it. But this is a tough fight. You're taking a fight on three weeks' notice. Now you got to go to... He was training for a fight anyway, so he was in camp. But he wasn't training for Sergio Pettis at 10,000 feet, Paul. He was training for a a fight at sea level with a three and two opponent. Mm -hmm. And his last few opponents, his opponent prior to that is five and seven. Like, he's not fighting anybody good. And so that that difference between fighting mid-level Hawaiian journeyman to fighting Sergio Pettis, that talent jump, that's going to affect him. The fact that he's basically just a striker and he's going to have to rely on outstriking Sergio Pettis is going to affect him. The fact that Sergio Pettis is coming back down to 125 is going to be very good for Sergio Pettis. And as much as we make the joke of like, man, Sergio Pettis is one in three in his last fights. His last fight was at 135 against Rob Font. And his other two losses are the current champion, mm-hmm. bend the knee to triple C Henry Cejudo, who we went the distance with. You yep. see Formiga, a fucking badass, yeah, who we course. went the distance with. Been fighting the and he's guys. got a split decision win over Joseph Benavides. The only man to beat Joseph Benavidez in a long time mm-hmm. in a non-title fight, like he may be getting a bad rap because of that one and three. So I feel like this is an opportunity to capitalize. All but right. the three forty-five, don't like it. The ninety-three hundred. Because we've seen him get also get knocked out by Ryan Benoit. The only time he's been knocked out. But you're right, yeah, like Ryan Benoit knocked. Like him out. that was out of nowhere. Is that one thirty-five? Is that one thirty-five? I think it was. I think it was 125, yeah, he did, and he, he went up to 135 because right. he yeah, worried yeah. about his chin. And, Bruce and now Lee, he like, knows. Then he went out. up to 135, realized he's too small for that. And it's, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah we we like Pettis. I don't like 345, and price. I don't like the 9300. No, I don't like him because he's a, he's an outside striker. Yeah, and yeah, Marlon Moraes kicked. That's what I was saying. It's like, but this guy ain't. It's hard to pay. It's hard to pay up for these people. Like you don't want to pay ninety four hundred for Irina Irina Aldana. Yeah. Like everyone's gonna think naturally, kind of end up with like a mid range type of. Lineup, but whatever I'm, I'm you, wrong on that shit all the time. Whatever you end up with, you won't be confident in it. That's I, I, like I can say. assure you of that. All right, we move on down the card. This is going to be fucking ugly, by the way. Uh, Vincius Marora, Marrera takes on Paul the Bear Jew Craig, A300 Marrera, and he's a minus 120 favorite. Paul the Bear Jew Craig is 7,900 and plus one. So you plus 100. So you have two like guard pullers. No, only one guard puller. Vinicius, he'll try to get on top. That's his game. He doesn't <laughs> want to be on two his back guys with like next, like who both kind of like to go to their grappling. Oh yeah, and one dimensional, very one dimensional, and they both their striking is absolutely disgusting looking, like so bad. And we're they're two hundred and five pounds, and we're putting them at ten thousand feet. Like this fight has just like ugly. <laughs> Just ugly written all over it. Um, I'm not touching it with a 10-foot pole. Yeah, yeah. Are you? Yeah, well, I think it's going to be a fun fight. I think I want to go with Venetia Marrera. Price is right at 120. But, yeah, see, a very wild fight that could shape. If they fought 10 times, I'd expect it to be 5-5 with strange endings in all 10 of them. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it seems like it's going to be that kind of fight. The 10,000 feet does not help. If you put this fight... That's you know at sea level, it's yeah, ugly. Yeah, yeah. It's just like I, I don't I don't understand 
Could be a fun fight, right? But why put it on this card? It almost reminds you of the time they put Mark Hunt versus Ben Rothwell in Denver. It was just like there's no no nonsensical to put them at altitude because after five minutes, they're going to be tired. Both of these guys tire on the regular. Both these guys like to go to their grappling. Paul Craig is an atrocious striker, and therefore that gives him the striking advantage over <laughs> Vinicius Moreira, who's a non-existent yeah. striker. Vinicius Moreira seemingly has chin issues in that Alonzo Menafield and Eric Anders absolutely crushed him in his last two fights, respectively. But those guys are actually power punches, whereas like Paul Craig has one career knockout. Actually, Paul Craig has one career knockout, and Vinicius Moreira has one career knockout. They're not power punches. So even if he does chin check this guy, this guy's got a big old melon on him, a real big nose too. Even if he does chin check him, I think he'll be okay. Craig's little, he's definitely faster. He's more mobile. If he stays on the outside for a little bit, he'll be okay. And he's got decent enough like kicks to the body and shit to maybe just like flim flam, as Robin Black would say, keep it interesting. But he doesn't get the gas tank to flim flam for more than five minutes. And the other problem is he he gets caught. He can't off. do his regular move, which no. is to pull guard. If he pulls guard, he's fucked because yeah. if Mauricio Moreira gets on top of him, then it's game over for him. His best bet is to try to keep it standing. But even if he does keep it standing, it's like what what's the best outcome here? And this Moreira guy can't wrestle. If this fight stays like, standing, like the winner could score like thirty five points. Actually, what's the, the bonus is like thirty points. So like the winner could score like. 40 something like it could be like maybe, that maybe like 47 to 50 low volume. yeah yeah i don't yeah, watch these guys go out and have like fight of the night i think it could be fight of the night just because what? well when both guys are tired and they both have their hands down and they're swinging or whatever the case may be it's not yeah, the most mma trader thing. the mma trader will just be losing his mind well i mean it's, it's it's this almost is his, this is his gem right here yeah it could be that or it could go the other way it yeah. could be dada 5000 kimbo oh, or i hope it, so <laughs> which is a fun fight, right? Loved People it. shit on the fight, but it, like in high, when you rewatch it, it was it's hilarious. Like, I enjoyed watching every second of it. It was a great time. It felt a little bit bad, like after fact, Once when you, you heard knew. that the guy was like in the hospital, who almost died. But when you know that Dada almost died and then Kimbo did die, yeah. then it's like, yeah, okay, maybe it takes some of the shine off it. But it's the same thing as like Kimbo versus Ken Shamrock. My heart hasn't pumped like that for a fight in a, while well, I had a Kimbo bike knockout, but. Yeah, my heart hasn't pumped like that in a long time, right? It's thrilling. This shit could be thrilling. It might only last five to seven minutes, and somebody's likely going to get a finish. If you look at Paul Craig, like every single fight he's had in the UFC has been inside the distance. You beat him, he beats you. Whereas he seems like that submission guy, like, oh, man, he beat uh, Luis Henrique da Silva, BJJ Black Belt. He beat Ankalaev. Ankalaev is like a master sport in combat sambo. Um, he beat Kennedy and Jaquanu. Didn't know, really know how to grapple. But yeah, he's got submission game. But like, he also got submitted by Jimmy Crew. And we all seen like there's levels to this shit, you know? Like I, I think Paul Craig's still a brown belt. He's going to be in trouble. Venetia Moreira's a black belt. He's a good black belt. He's bigger. He's stronger. He's not taller. But I mean, he's just like a physically thicker guy. And when he does get the fight to the ground eventually, he'll be okay. I've watched his last five fights. And there's, it's like, it, it doesn't look good. Mm -hmm. But when he does get the fight to the ground and he is on top, very competent. And when you watch Paul Craig fight, you know, at some point. He's going to end up His trying. opponent's going to end up. Yeah, because he'll probably pull you on top of him. Like, mm -hmm. he just, you always end up on Paul Craig at some point. Yep. And this ain't the guy. I don't see a Hail Mary submission coming to help him out. So 8,300 could be an interesting play if he gets top pretty early in the fight. Yeah, I'm definitely penciling in Marrera. But again, if I was to give you one lineup, yeah, there's going to be a couple guys on it that could get you two points. Yeah, yeah he may be one of them. Maybe, But I don't see him getting knocked out. And I don't see him getting submitted. And Paul Craig's not going to win a decision. He's a better grappler. So what's, what's the only other striker? Like, the and they're both shitty strikers. He could lose by decision. Just be like that bad on the feet. Anyway, let's move on. We got Tassajara Eubanks taking on Beche Kohea. 
So Jarrett Eubanks, 9,100 minus 250 favorite. Beche is 7,100 and plus 210. Can Sajara Eubanks take down and control that big old caboose <laughs> on uh, on Petchy? Because that would be my concern. You know, fighting at 125, she struggled to make weight, Sajara Eubanks. I think she's immensely more talented, more skilled, more everything in this fight. My concern is at at this at 10,000 feet. I'm not too concerned about her gassing because I don't think her cut is that severe getting down to 135. But it's just like when you're wrestling and like playing that type of game, Maybe she doesn't do that at all. But if you're doing that game against somebody who's heavier than you at altitude, you can get really tired really, really fast. So that's my concern with you, Banks, but she is my pick. What about you? Yeah, like I think she's a more skilled fighter all over, but I think where we are speculating about every fighter on this card about how the 10,000 feet are going to affect them, like I think it very much affect her. Mm-hmm. Maybe she's not having that same weight cut coming up from 125 to 135, but her last fight against Aspen Ladd, it's 135. <laughs> she flat out gasses. Her she's hands- just so much smaller than these these, these she's women she's now going to be a smaller at 135 and Beche is not particularly big but if there's one thing we can give Beche is that she generally keeps coming forward like she's just scrappy that's pretty yeah. much all it is to it she's 36 Eubanks is I think 32 so it's not like they're I, I, I would say they're both past their <laughs> athletic prime but it's how they match up right here so if Eubanks goes out and pursues the takedowns and that's her best, best path to victory here, just go out there and pursue those takedowns is that that's going to be tiring, right? And if it's the second and the third round, and now she can't get the fight to the ground, like it, you remember her landing those big shots in Aspen Lab, but like that's just because Lad has absolutely no ability to block punches. Like she has both of her hands at her hip, she's really tired, and she's just slugging the same punch over and over. It might be enough to work against Beche, but if Beche just keeps pressuring her, keeps moving forward, and going back to Beche versus Irene Aldana in her last fight, especially in that second round, it's like she can make this greasy, she can make this dirty. For 210, I'm interested in potentially looking at Peche as a possible option. But then you got to think, like she's on a massive losing streak. Yeah, don't bet uh, No, no, exactly. Listen, this is Beche's run. She loses to Aldana where she got submitted. She loses to Holly Holm where she got booted in the head. That draw with Marion Renault. This is Renault, another Sukumtath situation. She's up She's up two rounds against Marion Renault, and then she gets 10-8 in the third round. Absolutely diced. Yeah, the Jessica I fight she won. Fucking robbery and a yeah. half. And then she loses to Raquel Pennington and gets... She got punched out by Ronda Rosie in 34 mm-hmm. seconds. Not submitted, which is no big deal. She got punched out by Ronda Rosie in 34 seconds. So, like, that is uh, that, unbelievable. And that kind of commenced the whole Ronda versus Floyd Mayweather. I know. What was Which up the, with that? That's, that's, that's neither here nor there. So, But one thing I got to say on, and this is why it makes it dangerous, is I made Betch just sound really bad, right? And based on what I, how I just made her sound, 36, bad run, she's got a bad price tag, right? But now let's give Betche the benefit of the doubt for just a quick second. Irene Aldana fight. Doesn't look bad in that second round. There's a moment there. The Holly Holm fight. You got Holly Holm at plus money going into the third round because mm-hmm. Betche was coming on. The Marion Renault fight. Well, she was up two rounds. So she's showing moments. There's moments. It's not like she gets blasted out of there really fast every time. And the way Eubanks likes to win is blast you out of there really quick. And the way she's got to win at 10,000 feet is blast you out really quick. Mm-hmm. So I would love to give you another Tristan Connolly play and be like, yo, Eubanks is probably better for the first five minutes in gases, but I'm not nearly as confident. So the, your, your best bet is to pass, but I will label this one a dog or pass, and for that reason, I'm at least keeping my options open with Beche. Uh, and finally, we've got uh, Claudio Puelas taking on Marcos Mariano. Claudio Puelas, eight, uh, 9,000 minus 280 favorite. Car- uh, Marcos Mariano is 7,200 and plus 240. This is like that Marcos Rosa guy who 
had the most abysmal ground game I've ever seen in my life against Lando Venata. I mean, and Lando's okay, but yeah, it's like he this got, got Kamora like, without even... This was like Jacare's buddy oh, no, who yeah, just yeah. happened to get a fight. Like, no, this guy, it was Anderson's buddy who happened to get a fight. And it was it was just Anderson's, like, yeah. He's a poor man. This there, guy so. is dust. Dust. Fade this guy. Don't bet this guy. Unless unless Cody tells me to bet him. Yeah, yeah, no. He, but, but here's the thing. is that Claudio Puelas is so bad. That is there not a chance that Marcus Mariano beats him? Yeah. But here, here's my piece of advice. Don't, in a shitty fight, the bottom of a shitty card, you always take the guy with the grappling advantage. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You have to. And Claudio Puelas is weak to the body. He's got a good chin, but he's weak to the body. When you've looked at his couple performances in the UFC, Martin Bravo knocks him out. He digs him to the body. His fight with Felipe Silva, he wins that fight. But holy, f- I watched that place. Say, remember, I watched that fight at your house. Mm-hmm. I got Felipe Silva. Raps there, he's got Felipe Silva. I think you might have passed, which is the good call. And like, Felipe Silva like 10 8s him in both of the rounds and is on his way to getting a third round stoppage. And then he gets knee barred. Like, it's the most embarrassing thing of all time. But the kid's got some, some guts. And what's best of all is that apparently he was just, you know, a poor kid from Peru, but he got a $50,000 bonus out of that. And so I'd like to see a kid like him. 24, 25 years old. Now he's finally got a big payday. By the way, 50,000 American in, in Peru is something like 10 or $12 million. So maybe he's able to reinvest in his career a little bit, train, add some different wrinkles to his game. I think his striking is not very good. He's willing to throw. He stands way too upright. He doesn't really know how to move his feet particularly well. But he's got a good entry to his single leg. He doesn't got a good single leg. He doesn't use any other wrestling technique other than the single leg. But he's got a good ability to enter with the single leg, get a hold of his opponent, at least temporarily. And whereas a lot of guys will be able to move their hips and shuck them off, Marcos Mariano isn't one of them. Marcos Mariano's story is that he was supposedly the next Anderson Silva in that he fought in the Brazilian regional. He was fighting at 145 pounds, and he's six foot one, So he's really long. He comes from a Muay Thai base, just like Anderson Silva. And when you watch some of his like early kickboxing matches that he has online, he's... Uh, he kind of dances around like Silva. He's kind of got like some of the same mannerisms. But he never panned out, Paul. He was never good. He never got to that level. When he left kickboxing and came to MMA, he never had any legitimate success in MMA other than he's got a he's got a split decision win over Ari Farias, who's at LFA standout right now and is actually a good fighter. But that was a long time ago. Farias had two fights. It is what it is. Since then, he's just fought like such an abysmal level of fighters and has been smoked out. The UFC, they need a win for Lando. Lando needs a guy. I think with short notice, Silva's on the card. They bring in this guy. It's a good joke. He gets smoked out. He shows you very little. But he was out striking Lando Venata. For like, what, a minute? For a minute. And then Lando Venata, who wrestled collegiately for half a year before dropping out and pursuing MMA full-time, takes him down very easily and outgrapples him very easily and submits him very easily. But Claudio Puelas ain't fucking Lando Venata, you know what I mean? He can't wrestle with him, not, not even on the same level. He's not a good striker like Venata. He's not anything like Venata, right? So if he doesn't get the fight to the ground, he's going to get his ass kicked standing. It's just I do believe he'll get the fight to the ground. It's just 280 is not the kind of price tag I want to play on Claudio Puelas. Yeah, I, do, I, I truthfully believe he's the worst fighter in the UFC. Only, like we discussed, there's so many bad guys now. You can't label anybody that because he might very well be fighting the other worst fighter in the UFC. But this is low-level shit. Puelas has also been off a year, doesn't have fantastic cardio, and is he's not from Mexico, so he's from Peru. He's going he's to have to go and say the same thing. altitude, man. Like, they're up in the mountains. Right. And whereas so. striker versus grappler, I always take grappler. 
But tired striker versus tired grappler, dude, it's always tired striker because at yeah. least at he, least he doesn't have to. Yeah, you don't need those explosive just types of moments, right? He'll just land the punches standing. <laughs> if the grappler can't get the fight to the ground, there's no plan B, right? The, if the the tired striker is just not getting taken down, or he's able to just muster up his ability to shuck off a couple, then he's got the advantage. Anyways, I'm gonna run down right. Run, through run, this. run through this because it's past city, which I'll get to after I run it down. But but officially. I'm going to go with Yair Rodriguez, Alexa... Ah, I'm going to go with Yair Rodriguez, Alexa Grasso, Asker Askarov, uh, Irene Aldana, mm, Steven Peterson, Jose Quinones, Kyle Nelson, Arian Carnelosi, Sergio Pettis, Venicia Moreira, Jara Eubanks, and Claudio Pauls. But I, but I don't like it. Now, on a, on a more serious note, I would not have any interest in pa- – like, I would try to pass on this one. I would say well, your you best – You got to say, you gotta say which one is okay. this one yeah, sorry, for the sorry, people sorry. listening I'm who are, I'm who are not at, looking at – I'm starting at the bottom. I'm sitting across the table from know, you, I and I don't even know what foot you're scratching out. You're starting at the bottom scrat- Okay. So scratch out Sajara Eubanks okay. versus – Yeah. Well, as, as far as like, I make sure you don't give the people a lineup here. We get in trouble. For I'm not. I'm not going to give a lineup. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. We pass on a lot of fights. I say yeah. Alexa Grosso and Esparza is the kind of fight you probably should pass on. I would say Bravo versus Peterson is the kind of fight you should pass on. I would say Hill versus Carnalosi you should pass on. Sindar Eubanks versus We're talking from a batting perspective. You end up having to play people on DraftKings. Yeah, well, of of course you're going to have to play people on DraftKings. I'm just trying to figure out what's what's my confident play of the week. It sounds like it's Vincius Moreira. No, I know, I know. It's just terrifying. I'm going through process of elimination here, right? So I'm going to I'm going to take off Kyle Nelson. I'm going to take off Irene Aldana because she's minus. Well, she's minus five hundred. The whole card is getting. Pettis, I'll take him off because, like, giving you a three forty-five pick is, you know, yeah, pretty, it's pretty, pretty weak sauce. That, that's totally weak sauce here. Uh, we have Puella's Mariano left on the board. We have Vincius Moreira versus Paul Berju Craig left on the I board. Like we have in, yeah. Jose Canones versus Wachin. We have Askarov versus Moreno is still on there. No, I took that. one Oh, you took that one off too. Oh no, no, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. So this is what we're uh, left with. Yeah, I would say maybe Askarov. I would say. Well, we have uh, four fights that you're five fight, four fights that you're willing to bet on this card. I'm going Kinona's minus one forty five. That's the play. That's the play. Of the That's week. the play. Of the week. Kinona's one forty five. Kinona's one forty five. All right. Thank you to Cody Safik breaking down the fights with me as always. Let's good see. luck, people. Yeah, good, good luck. Good luck out there, guys. Uh, there's UFC Copenhagen next week. We should definitely have some better takes on that one than the following card after that is the Australia, big pay-per-view in, in Melbourne. We'll so, have some big ones for that. Like, we're definitely going to have plays on that one. Sometimes sometimes you just got to know when to when to take it and when to leave it. So, yeah, for Cody Saftik, I am Paul Shag saying goodbye and good luck. Experience! Experience!